Yo, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon trading card games from your podcasting trio. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my good, good friends, Mr. J.W. Crewall and Mr. Andrew Mahone. Guys, how's it hanging today? Hey, I'm doing really well, Riley. Thanks for asking. Thank you I'm... for sharing, man. Seriously. <laughs> I'm doing just fine and Dude, ready to talk Andrew, Pokemon. Andrew, what's up? my Lions won yes. a playoff they... game. It was huge. I'm For the very... first time in my life. I know. Oh Since gosh. what, 92? Yes. Something like that. Eminem was there. I, I mean, e- I watched the whole thing. Eminem was a big part of it. Yes. Yeah. He's, a, he's apparently a huge Lions fan. And, you know, they almost threw it away. It was a real nail, nail biter there at the end. So, okay. So it almost ended just this like is... every other Lions experience. Well, so, okay. So this is actually really funny because... Uh, you know, I'm sitting there on the couch, just minding my own business. I try not to put too much stake in the results of sports, especially sports where my team is involved, especially where the Lions are involved. My wife, we've been together, you know, dating, married for seven years now, eight years. She has not, since we've been dating, uh, the Lions have not won on Thanksgiving. And we've always yeah. been together and we've always watched like first, like the last seven years, they have not won on Thanksgiving, which is like just crazy, you know, uh, it's the coin flips or whatever. Watch right? the Lions lose. On and so, yeah. and so, you know, and it happened again this year. And so she's sitting there, we're watching the end of the game and it's that one score game, pretty tight, really close fourth quarter. And she's, she turns to me and she's like, wow. Yeah, this is, I know what happens. You know, this this looks pretty familiar. They're just going to lose it at the end of the game. And I'm like, oh. you take it back. She's like, yeah, it's just like Thanksgiving, right? Like, there's no way they can win this one. I'm like, and you take that back. <laughs> <laughs> they just need a couple of first down, Dan. Come on. <laughs> I know. I know. It was looking pretty pitiful there for them in the second half. They scored three points, but managed Nothing. to hang on. So yeah. it, was, uh, it was a pretty exciting game for sure. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, and that one got me feeling in my feels, man. I had I had like a little tear rolling down my cheek watching all that, and that really gets it. The the story building, I feel like the NFL is doing a really great job with the story building and the storytelling, because that's kind of what makes. I mean, obviously the games are good, and and some games are not. Some games you're I like the Eagles versus the Buccaneers, for instance. I mean, good goodness gracious, that was a tough watch, but but uh, but you know, some, a lot of times the games are good, but then the storytelling really can make you you know, get invested in a game, even if it's not your team. So like, you know, kudos to them for doing a great job with the production. I, I was, you know, I was moved just kind of watching it and hearing the, well, it's the a story. great story, right? You have, you have Matthew Stafford coming back right. to Detroit in the playoffs, you know, he wins and he's like, you know, a big dog. And then, you know, golf wins and he's kind of like, you know, takes over, you know, in a, in a sense, right. There's kind of that handoff of the torch doing something they haven't done in 30 years. I mean, it's, it was pretty crazy. It was a big deal for, uh, for the state and Dallas lost. So that means the Lions get another home game next week. It's crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's all very exciting. I know. My Ravens playing against the Texans this weekend. So oh, yeah, unfortunately in the middle of Charlotte. Messed up, man. You're gonna be in the it's finals at that time. You know, it's at like four thirty, bro. I'm gonna no, be no, no. All like... the more all the more reason to play a very fast deck. 
Yes, so that I could watch more football in between yep. rounds. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, because it's going to be at, like, 4.30, so I'm going to be in the pits of, like, round 7 or 8. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that or dropped and watching. Uh, 7 or 8? A win Are they? Win, is right? it 4.30? 4.30? Because they're playing in Baltimore. 4.30, you think it would, you'd be in round 7? I don't know. Jimmy events go fast, don't they? Uh. Well, Not that San Antonio fast, was a Jimmy event, wasn't it? I feel like San Antonio had really bad round turnaround times. And it is going to be the biggest regional ever. I'll be in the. Oh, one thing, man. One thing I didn't you get might to be like lucky to be round five, dude. You're right. <laughs> I, one thing that was really great about Portland is we didn't have a lunch break and we ended super early. Uh, and I, it just like reaffirmed in my mind <laughs> why we shouldn't do lunch breaks. Just eat between your rounds. You know, there's always like a 30 minute wait between the rounds. I don't know, man. Break. The Olympics don't have a lunch break, bro. Like, just don't, just don't, you know. Competition what does that mean break. it's a competition the olympics it's, it's don't have a lunch break yeah, yeah like prepare yourself like like track and field meets don't have a lunch break like you know what i mean you are going you eat to eat on the on the race doing this event right. no your track and field events can last all day yeah you sure. eat in the in the race that's what i'm saying no to between, be fair you're not racing your things you're not <laughs> racing the whole time so you eat between your things yeah. right which is exactly and you're not playing the whole time eat between your rounds like get yourself a little you know a little granola bar or something mm -hmm. or like you know go get yourself some some crappy hot dogs you know whatever it's... i mean you'd really be have to you'd be like having to have a day or playing a stall deck to never have a round that ended like super early or you could actually just get food i know yeah stall but players anyways that's a whole episode now. we've got <laughs> a lot to talk about today riley and i are going to be attending the charlotte regional championships this weekend jw has some very strong opinions about what we should play and we have at least 50 new cards from temporal forces to talk over uh probably not all 50 of them because some of them I'm are thinking like all 50 one by one <laughs> some of them are like c dots and you know cottonies and stuff but like uh, but there is some some real meat and potatoes there to talk about which kind of carries off of what jw and i were discussing last time talking about the a specs that had been revealed up until that point and some of our predictions so really we got a nice fun packed episode ahead and riley here to uh discuss some of these new cards and the a specs and everything we haven't heard any of your takes on a specs or anything like that so definitely yeah how do you fellas want to get this thing kicked off I mean, GW, you've been maintaining a list of your faves to hit on today. You want to kick us off with a, a card from there? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that you look at some of these new cards, and there's there's a lot to, uh, a lot to like. You know, I, I'm impressed with some of these, and certainly some of these have uh, some fun applications and uh, maybe can enhance certain decks, or you're seeing where they're going in terms of uh, creating new archetypes. And one of the cards that uh, I think is really fun, and you always like seeing energy acceleration especially on a stage one that could evolve into something more powerful or enable something else we have the matang with the metal maker ability once during your turn you may look at the top four cards of your deck choose any number of basic metal energy you find there and attach them to your pokemon in any way you like so a lot of cool things about that doesn't stipulate that it has to be on the bench doesn't stipulate that you can't take you know more than one right if all top four were your basic metals then uh you know you'd get f four free energy to accelerate <laughs> and uh, it doesn't stipulate that um the matang like can't stack so you can have multiple matang and if you don't find things then you put them at the bottom of your deck 
So like, there's a lot of things about this card that are really interesting from like a, a draw perspective, from uh, you know an energy acceleration perspective. I, I think it's a really, really fun card. Wait, holy smokes! I, I didn't realize I it put it at the bottom. Yeah, me, yeah, me it's cracked, dude. I think it's kind of cracked. So if you have four, I mean, because that's crazy. So if you have four out, which is like a lot, but you know maybe you have two out, then you're looking at the next eight cards and taking all of the metal that you see in those next eight cards yes. and putting them into play. You're not, which yeah, is, yeah, that's which actually, is a lot. That's actually that's really insane. interesting. Yeah. I, uh, you know, when I first read this card, I kind of wrote it off as a Magnazone light and the, uh, you know, look at the top six type deal. And I never thought Magnazone was a very good card. And I didn't think it would be better as like a stage one, to be honest, looking at the top four, but mm -hmm. the kind of like digging element of it to plow through your deck and find the energy. That, that's kind of sick. Honestly, I like that. Yeah, pretty fun. So, you know, I've, I, I don't have any kind of like immediate cards that like, oh, this needs to be played with Matang, but uh, just to have that kind of energy Dialga acceleration. Star, buddy. Sure, Dialga V Star. Yeah, I guess that's the the um, the premier that's the metal, metal attacker. the metal yeah. attacker that has the most uh, behind it. Yeah, currently, yeah. right? It's so. the best metal attacker by far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like this card will really come into its own if there's like a Metagross EX or something. Because there's mm -hmm. a Metagross in this set, but it's like basically crap. So uh, you're not playing it. You're not playing that thing for sure. <laughs> so you need a better Metagross to use. <laughs> you, you sure do. What are some other cards that you like? Uh, Riley, give me another one. I mean, there's a lot of like interesting cards in this set. I guess we could focus on Pokemon to start with, and then we can kind of work our way down to the kind of interesting trainers that we have. Um, one card that Andrew and I were talking about at the start of the getting ready for this, which I think is actually kind of cool, is the Wug Trio EX as a tech option in Goldango. Um, you know, Goldango is already playing like this Palkia line, right? And Water Energies, which is a kind of an interesting combo. It's like a tier three deck, tier 2.5 kind of deck. And the Wug Trio lets you discard three energy from your hand, are up to three, and do 60 to a bench Pokemon for each card you discard in that way. For one water so if you're already playing a couple waters you're like you're one superior energy retrieval away from doing 180 to the bench right because you can get the water to attach and three more energy to discard and i like it when decks have those kind of like creative options i really i like the way this goldango deck has like developed over time i was a huge goldango stand like paradox rift card reveal andrew and i both were goldango stands we were saying it was the card that was most likely to make top eight <laughs> from the set that wasn't iron hands um Maybe weren't quite right on that one, but uh, Trio is just like another cool addition to that that style of deck. I agree, and uh, and what's not to like about Wugtrio uh, with a lightning? I know, you know, a light bulb on its head, right? I love the light bulb on the head. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it's really, really sick. <laughs> now, there's also a lot of new future and ancient cards that yeah. have been revealed as well as new future and ancient a specs so we'll kind of get into the future archetype in a minute because i feel like that's kind of like a lot to unpack it is it is kind of its whole thing you don't really talk about the cards one at a time they are very very clearly like <laughs> a unit right um but the ancient cards kind of seem to be more uh, loners up until this point, kind of like, you know, Roaring Moon is its own very strong card. There's another Roaring Moon-esque card that is in this set. Um, 
Gouging Fire EX, or as I've been calling him, Banana Hat. Uh, it's an Entei with something that appears to be a banana hat on its head. And it's just like a kind of a goofy looking fellow. But banana Hat's got... not your strongest showing on the nickname front, not going to lie. Banana Hat, dude, come on. You're banana Hat. What's not to like about Banana Hat? You're, you're do, a do, 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 do. Banana Hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's got 230 hit points, and the explosive fire attack for two fire and a colorless does 260 damage. And rather than just simply not being able to attack next turn, this Pokemon can't use explosive fire again until it leaves the active spot. So it's a three energy punch for 260. All you have to do is pivot it in and out of the active spot. You have Seda's Vitality, and you have Magma Basin to accelerate fire energy into play. Uh, it is very conceivable for you to be able to do just 260 damage on the first turn of the game with this card. I mean, with your Squawk ability and things like that to help churn through the deck, Radiant Greninja to help, you know, funnel fire energy into the discard pile. Roaring Moon has the advantage of being able to one-hit KO everything, right? Obviously, with its uh, Frenzy Gouging attack. But I could see i mean you could play like a blend of roaring moon and gouging fire just these big really bloated basics because being able to clear 230 is really freaking good right yeah and not having to rely on discarding a stadium is like really really good so you know i could see a kind of uh, a blend of of ancient pokemon where gouging fire gets you know, incorporated because 260 is just a really strong number to hit. And I feel like, I feel like that's kind of where ancient is trying to go. You know, you have the earthen vessel even as part of the ancient package, right? And it grabs you multiple different types of basic energy if you want to. Um, so I, I think when I, when I think of the ancient Pokemon, it feels like they're trying to make sort of a toolbox of basic high damage attackers. And then the future, like we'll talk about in a minute is more like, you know, tricky is what I how I've described it before. Like they're up to no good, <laughs> doing crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, doing weird damage. Is it modification not? And... Is it not exactly like single strike and rapid strike? <laughs> yes, that is actually what I said like way back. I think before you even joined the cast, I, I called them single and rapid strike all over again. Um, yeah, it's the same kind of deal, right? Like spreading damage with a toolbox versus doing a lot of damage to the active Pokemon. Um, and I feel like gouging fire kind of leads into that um so i i kind of i know i like what it adds to the deck i philosophy question for you do you think uh which of the three rather paradox beasts do you think will be the best between gouging fire big neck and walking wake what do you think jw <sighs> probably big neck that would be my initial you have things like sandy shocks that can uh, enable that as an attacker that's going to do you know it's for a couple energy you do 70 and discard a bunch of energy we've seen that in the past be a decent strategy so for we've those reasons awful. for those reasons yeah well <laughs> let's not talk about that for the sake of my argument well, let's not forget restoration <laughs> i was gonna say jw i'm really glad you decided to defend raging bull dx because i just wanted <laughs> I wanted somebody to, so I could just eviscerate that opinion. <laughs> no, no, I think this no. card, I think this card is 
utter bulk bin material. Like no, the cool thing garbage. the cool thing about it is that you can play it with Fortress EX, okay? And then you can kill your own fortress, spread the board with five energy, and then you can counter catcher and uh, use your Sandy shocks, and then you can do like four hundred damage in a turn. Yo. So he's cooking. You didn't even think he, about that. You didn't even think just, about that, bro. You didn't even think just about that. Like, you know, it's, it like, it's like Chen Pao. You're right. I didn't. It's like Chen Pao EX <laughs> minus the water support minus <laughs> the really good ability. It's yeah. like, it's like, uh, <laughs> minus the support. it's like, it's crazy. Rayquaza. It's like Rayquaza V Max, you know, minus yeah. the awesome ability. It's like Reshiram and Zekrom <laughs> Tag Team GX. Actually, just exactly like that card. Minus Welder, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, th It's just not impressing <laughs> me. Whereas, like, you have to discard four energy from play in order to do 280 damage. If you want to hit real numbers, you know, big boy numbers, like Charizard EX numbers, then you got to discard five energy from play. And you're telling me you're going to play Sada every single... And that's like, when I hear people defending this card, they're like, well, I'm going to play Sada every single turn. <laughs> they're like, I'm going to play Sada every turn. And then I've also got my Sandy Shocks out, and they're charging energy too. And then, and it's like, well, okay, okay so but, board... but if you hit that... <laughs> <laughs> so you're... And then first of all, the Sandy Shocks only starts working once the game is almost over. So, yeah. I okay. Just... <laughs> Sorry, you're not convincing me. <laughs> so, so, are I, you? A, do you think Gadget Fire is the best? The three? Uh, well, let's let's read. All right. Yes, let's read. Let's read the water one. Wake the Wake Meister. All right. Walking Wake. It's got the Azure Wave ability. Damage from attacks used by this Pokemon are not affected by any effects on your opponent's active Pokemon. Just because the Pokemon Company just like would hate it if a card like Mimikyu, you know, with its safeguard ability, like, could do anything, right? So, like, God forbid... So true. God forbid those cards actually block the Pokemon they're supposed to block. Like, God forbid that, right? Especially, and, like, people... like, if it's from the newest archetype. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so just making sure that those cards remain trash, right? And then Cathartic Roar... For a water and two colorless energy, does 120 damage, and if your opponent's effective, uh, if your opponent's active Pokemon is affected by a special condition, it does 120 more damage. And this is interesting because there is the brute bonnet, right, with the ancient booster energy capsule. So you can play that. It's an ancient Pokemon, and this is an ancient Pokemon. So you could do 250 damage after poison for three, and that's not terrible. I mean, really, we were just talking about how gouging fire or you know banana hat or whatever uh is pretty good doing three for 260 and water pokemon have access to yeah i was you know not melanie or anything but you got palkia okay <laughs> palkia can put some energy into play and uh you know maybe maybe yeah i do think that gouging fire is just the best one it's got the best attack and the best support so i'm gonna and and just requires the the least amount of finessing, right? You don't have to play a brute bonnet. You don't have to play these ancient booster capsules. It's just a big dude who can swing, nice yeah. vanilla damage output. So I think gouging fire. I'm kind of I'm kind of on that train too. I'm kind of on that train too. I think, though, big neck is is really sick. 
Yeah, give me your take on Big Neck, because I'm a I'm a bona fide hater. JW sounds like bro. No, just imagine I'm a, imagine I'm a, getting a Big, big Neck, bro. Just imagine I'm a, I'm getting a Big, big Neck. I'm a Big Neck hater, but it's got a Big Neck for like, you right here. Buddy. At least you can craft something interesting with Big Neck, whereas Walking Wake is just lame. <laughs> like it does not enough damage for three energy, and it has just a random ability that doesn't actually like contribute anything to the card. So yeah. Walking Wake sucks. That's my that's my evaluation. Bro, it's just not in the sense it's just not an interesting card. It's like a lame. I card. just I can't. I it's like hard to trust you, Andrew, after your Goldengo comments. Goldengo Palkia, it's coming, dude. It's coming. I was ahead of my time. <laughs> yeah, you forgot to pair it with Palkia V Star. That was. The... I did. I did, but I did know that it would be paired with something. Getting yeah, the Palkia. Well, I don't know how people get to these Palkia V Star conclusions. It's like, yes, I'm just that's, not thinking on the level. I'm not on. The I know. I don't level. get it, dude. I don't get it either. Just it throw makes it no in the deck. Yeah. There was a point when Palkia V Star was just like the BDIF, just because it's a sick dude who does like a lot of damage. It kind of just yeah. sets himself up, right? No, I, that's I'm his whole shit. Now I'm woke to it. <laughs> Now I'm woke to it. Yeah, you just put a one-one Palkia in something. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, yeah, it it was kind of like putting a one-one Arceus in something, but it's like self-sustaining. That's, yeah, it just yeah, it just does its own thing. Right. <laughs> uh huh. It sets himself up. I mean, my goodness, a or dude who sets it. himself yeah. up and just like does over two hundred damage. Like, I just can't be mad about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I now I've awoken to it, but I wasn't on that level when Godango was revealed. That's all. No, me neither. I, I have to concede I was not on that level of, of thinking. No. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, thinking back to, um, you know, our prior thoughts, we have a It's crazy. A card. I was about to hit this card, too. Really? With yeah, the uh, Relicanth. Yeah. Basic Pokemon, Relicanth, ability deep in memories. Each of your evolved Pokemon can use any attacks from its previous evolutions. We've seen this throughout the entirety of of or almost the entirety of the pokemon trader card game you think about shining celipi which was played you know years ago you know in recent memory uh, and then we even had things like horsey right or the 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 kingdra line that you could copy you know horsey and cedra back in neo <laughs> times so um what do you guys feel uh are like good applications of relicanth do you think that this is a uh, a card that will be played in the current format first things first it's hilarious that you said the entire history of the game and then name a card from like two years ago as like your first example shining <laughs> so, celebi or like four years ago yeah <laughs> well and then i named ago. one from what 25 <laughs> years ago i so. i would just work on the opposite i would start from the past probably if i'm going for like the entirety of the history angle Okay, yeah, I wasn't that's gonna fair, pick it apart. I wasn't gonna pick it apart, but like, Dang. Know, yeah, the, Dude, the examples could have had... been stronger. <laughs> I I should have had AI write my prompt. That was my bad. You, you yeah, needed bro. to put more thought into that. It needed to cook yeah. for like three more seconds. Before <laughs> the artificial <laughs> the artificial intelligence would have been way better than whatever intelligence you were working with. For Whoa! sure. Whoa! <laughs> Shots fired. I, Scoreboard. I, I by mean, the way. I I looked at the relic. I see people are excited about the relicant. What is like the proposed actual use of the relicanth in, in like a current format? I can't I can't really think of a recent memory instance where a strategy that used a card like that in standard was like actually right. good. Right. Yeah, I've I saw on Twitter someone was posting about 
Magnazone. There's a Magneton that no. can take two items from the no, discard pile and, <laughs> and put them into your hand. So Let the that. man speak, Riley. All right. It's just, it's we not... asked for examples. We, actually, no, we it, asked for examples. No, that's right. That's right. That's right. If Max Potion was legal, like that would be sick. Yeah. Right. I'm, I was I was trying to think about like a a Pokemon that has like a V Max or, or V Star, where the basic would have an attack that would be useful. I mean, I feel the, like the Pokemon these days are just a, a designed to evolve into their actual attack. Mm-hmm. Yes, more or less. Yeah. I feel like this is a card where its potential won't be realized until later. Uh, you just kick the can a few years down the road to where it's at the tail end of its legality and we're going to look back and we're going to be like holy smokes this thing is here like this is perfect right but yeah this is definitely just a seed that's being planted for later it's going to hit everybody's bulk bins and then you're going to wish you had it in like two years three months before rotation like that's that's just exactly how it's going to go and I don't see this card seeing any application with any card printed during the Sword and Shield era because that is the worst designed era in the history of the Pokemon yeah, TCG. Actually, facts. The only Pokemon that are worth attacking with are either the VMAXs or the V Stars, which both are bloated, gigantic Pokemon that evolve from pure stinkers with 220 hit points. So, it, with, with like no attacks worth using, just look at like Arceus V Star. For example, right, like mm. evolves from Baby Arceus, which is just simply a worse version of it. And then uh, look at Palkia V Star, right? Evolves from like Baby Palkia. What are you gonna get a stadium? No, you're not. Shut up. Like you're just <laughs> not gonna do any of that stuff. You know, Lugia V Star. What am I gonna? What am I gonna read the wind with a Relicanth and play? Like no, you're not, bro. If you're reading the wind, you've already lost. So just you know, attack. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. If you're reading the wind with a Lugia V Star, bro, like what are you doing <laughs> with the Relicanth yeah, and play? Like no, you're not doing that. So, yeah, I think the most recent example of like a attack that was useful underneath uh, like a VMAX or V Star was like the Gyarados with the Get Angry. All right, I'm Remember gonna that guy. Yes, yes, sure. the memory energy. Yep. I'm gonna real quick because I know that there's some listeners here who are just who are just banging on the stereo and and they're just and they're <laughs> in their cars and they're and they're yelling. They're like, Say the Andrew, line. Andrew, no, you don't understand. The Relicanth, it's supposed to be paired with Incineroar EX. So let's, you know what, guys? <laughs> sure. Let's talk about it. Incineroar EX. JW, take us away. Read us yeah, the card. Inc- I, I think this card's kind of good. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think this card's kind of good. Um, the ability is what makes it, right? Because you look at the attack for five energy fire and four colorless does 240 damage and says your opponent's active is not burned so essentially 260 damage with potential for 280 you know if the burn condition whatever okay um the ability adversity act attacks used by this pokemon cost one colorless less for each of your opponent's benched pokemon i saw this card i was intrigued that's a curious ability right i mean we've certainly seen it with something like drapion and that has been um you know we all know how much that card sucks uh, so in that it's so good and splashable and stuff. Um, the Incineroar, yeah, doing 260 for potentially one energy seems quite strong, but you bring up, maybe you could use the effects of the evolved Pokemon beneath it. So what they're releasing, there's a Torcat 
in the set with Flare Strike that costs a fire and two colorless, does 80 damage, and it can't bro, use Flare Strike looking, during your next you're turn. You're looking at the wrong ones, bro. You and then go there's on. a Litten with a Fake Out. Yeah, well, yeah, that, these are the ones they've no. released, right? No. These are the yeah, ones they've yeah, released. Yeah, no, no, you're looking at the wrong ones, bro. I understand. Silver, Silver Tempest Litten, all right? Yeah, well, why don't you go for it? It's got the Reprisal Attack, which does 20 damage for each damage counter oh on gosh. this Pokemon. We've been two This fires. has happened already. We've had this combo before. I d yeah, and this is it, all right? This <laughs> is it. So you put the Relicanth in play. You get your big scary Incineroar. They hit you, and then you reprisal for, you know, 300 damage if they hit you for 160 or something, you know, 150. And then there's, like, a Toracat, which is also not bad, but I don't know how to spell Toracat, so I'm having a hard time looking it up. You don't know how to spell Toracat? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Two R's, bro. Two R's. I found it. All right. I found him. I found him. And then there's a Toracat. Oh, it's, it okay. wouldn't be knocked out. Uh, I yeah. see. The Toracat has the okay, gritty, now we're cooking. gritty claws attack, right? So gritty claws. Does hit the gritty, bro. I do it. I can't wait to hit the gritty, bro. Holy. Gritty claws, two fire energies, does 40 damage. During your opponent's next turn, if this Pokemon has full hit points and would be knocked out by damage from an attack, it's not knocked out, and its remaining HP becomes 10. So what you could do is you can hit the gritty claws, and then you go all the way down to 10. And, and then you then, do the the litten, dude. Oh yeah, my gosh! And, and you're hitting. So they've put 31 damage counters on your Incineroar EX I... because they had no idea that this is gonna happen. <laughs> so they had no idea, and they put 31 damage counters on your Incineroar EX, and then you hit them with the reprisal <laughs> for 620 damage, and they scoop out of pure shame, and you walk Probably. away the victor. And that that's how that is what Relicanth is for. That's sick. That's sick. Right. Now, the Incineroar... <laughs> I, I, I wish the Incineroar had, like, a colorless attack. It could, like, chip away the cost at. Yeah, like, this, this feels like it should have, yeah, like, an ability and two attacks, right? Well, no, I'm, I'm like... I feel like an ability and one attack makes sense for, like, what the ability is, but it feels like there should be, like, a cat that has, like, a five energy attack or something and it's just nuts mm. <laughs> and then you can really use the relic hit they really get cooking uh, the the whole damage counter counter thing uh yeah i don't i don't like those kinds i think those decks suck i'm gonna agree with you there if you couldn't tell from my kind of like way i was presenting <laughs> i don't think yeah, that that's no, a very sure. real strategy for sure. i think the most interesting thing about all of this is incinerary x itself uh, if your opponent has four bench Pokemon in play, then you are doing 260 damage for one fire yeah. energy, no, which is interesting. That's cool. That is cool. I think the one thing that bothers me about Incineroar EX, Relicanth notwithstanding, is uh, if your opponent just has like three or two bench Pokemon, like you don't really have a way to accelerate energy <laughs> into play uh, if you're just playing like a straight Incineroar deck. So you're really hoping that they have enough Pokemon that you can attack at all because <laughs> that attack costs a lot of energy you know yeah right like if they just don't bench anything how like, are you ever powering like if your up? opponent starts an attacker they could just attach to it without benching a support pokemon <laughs> like this lose. is what i imagine like you're playing against the giratina v-star deck they open giratina they bench another giratina they just get to abyss Eakin, right you're and you're working with your your incinerary x and you're like god 
God, I wish you'd fix something. And you just don't. Yeah. And so you're manually attaching to your guy. I, I think Five I think times. we've we've talked enough about Incineroar. I want to hear Andrew. Incineroar's got way more screen time than he deserves. Yeah, I want to hear a little bit uh, as we kind of like near the end of, of these new cards. But let's talk a little bit about the the future deck as you've labeled it. Potentially, I mean, you're seeing a lot of similarities to Plasma. If you played back in you know twenty what fifteen times, give us a little bit of an overview about the the future deck and what cards. Uh, we're seeing being revealed here for that. So let's, yeah, let's do a little summation of the future deck in a nutshell. The future deck, like the plasma deck that came before it in the black and white era, is kind of like a big basics style deck that is just self-sufficient with its energy. It doesn't have any real energy acceleration uh, kind of, you know, abilities or anything. It just accelerates energy into play with attacks. I mean, kind of just like the plasma well, deck. Well, that's back well. In the, the plasma deck also had the course machine. machine. Course machine, right, right, right. But no, like what I mean is like no dynamoter, right? It's it's a big basic deck, and it kind of is like you know there might be an item based acceleration that comes out. There is an item based acceleration in the form of an ace spec, which I'm going to get to momentarily. There's like a little bit of help that you get along the way, but it's mostly a big basic deck, right? Just kind of a big basic deck that boosts its damage output with like some pretty fun abilities and, and different damage modifications. I, I think of it kind of like as a damage mod deck. And the big damage mod that you have with the Plasma deck is the uh, Cabalion guy, the Iron Crown EX. It's got the Cobalt Command ability, which makes it so your future Pokemon's attacks do 20 more damage to your opponent's active Pokemon. Its attack is pretty forgettable, but really that ability is incredibly strong. A 20 damage boost on a basic Pokemon that stacks. So if you have four Iron Crown EX in play, that means that your future Pokemon, all of them, except for Iron Crown, because it doesn't buff itself, are doing 80 more damage. And the lead is one of my favorite Pokemon, Miraidon. Miraidon is a dragon basic with a single colorless attack that does 40 damage, accelerating peak, and it allows you to search your deck for up to two basic energy cards and attach them to your future Pokemon in any way you like. Now, if you've played against Lost Box at all, you know how powerful a turn one 110 damage can be with Cramorant's Spit Innocently attack, right? It could be very annoying to play against. Miraidon attacks for a single colorless energy, does base 40, but if you've got one Cabalion in play, that's 60 damage. If you've got three Cabalions in play, you're doing a uh, 100 damage right there but there's more because there's also the future booster energy capsule which was previously released and not really you know didn't see too much play it's some play to help your iron valiance maybe pivot in and out of the active spot but it has extra text on it it actually increases the future pokemon's attacks that it's attached to by 20 so if you have a future booster energy capsule and just two cabalion you are doing 100 damage turn one with your Maridon and accelerating other energy into play. So really, uh, the whole future deck is kind of basically the Maridon and the Cabalion, right? Those are kind of like your structure of the deck. And then you can splash in all these other attackers. And the two major attackers that I want to uh, just tap on real quick are Maridon EX. It's a dragon type from 
the starter deck. It's a Japanese starter deck that we're probably going to be getting in this set. It's got a cyber drive attack for a lightning, a psychic, and a colorless that does 220 base damage. And during your next turn, it can't use cyber drive. So 220 base with the possibility to boost it. You can boost it 100 damage, right? Because you can have four Cabalions in play. I'm calling them Cabalions. They're Iron Crowns or whatever. You can have four Iron Crowns in play, and you can have a Future Booster Energy Capsule attached to it. That's plus 100 damage, meaning you could do 320 damage for three energy. And the other, you might be thinking to yourself, I couldn't well, cheat on my Maridon, so. Well, Andrew, that doesn't knock out my Charizard EX. But guess what? Guess who does? Iron Leaves EX. Iron Leaves EX is a grass-type Pokemon. It's the Virizion, the Metal Virizion, right? And it's got the Rapid Vernier ability, which reads, once during your turn, when you play this Pokemon from your hand to your bench, you may switch this Pokemon with your active Pokemon. And if you do, you can move any amount of energy from your bench Pokemon to this Pokemon. And for two grass and a colorless energy, its Prismatic Edge attack does 180 damage, taking a clean one-hit KO on a Charizard EX. Now you might be thinking to yourself, wow, so I have to accelerate all my energy into play with the Maraida? I'm like, you know, how good is that really? Well, this deck gets a huge boost with the new A-Spec Reboot Pod, which was just recently revealed. It's an item card that allows you to attach a basic energy card from your discard pile to each of your future Pokemon in play. That is the power equivalent of six Dark Patch in one. That is six energy coming That's back from the discard sure. pile to yeah. your future Pokemon. And then you already saw it with a Pokemon like Verizian. You can shuffle, you can just like kind of shuttle all those energy straight to the Iron Leaves and go knock out a Charizard. I mean, so I yeah. think this deck is really exciting, really flexible, and it's going to be a really fun new way to play the Pokemon TCG. Yeah, I agree. It seems super cool. And one thing I, I like about this deck is it has a it's an A spec to its own. I think ever since we've gotten the prime catcher, right, the question becomes what A spec can you play in your deck that is not prime catcher? <laughs> uh, so the ancient got the drum of awakening, uh, and you can it's just an item card, and you draw a card for each ancient Pokemon in play. So you could draw six cards off an item realistically you're not drawing six cards because uh, you probably have some support pokemon squawkability whatever in play um which is that is a really powerful item card i just think that's less powerful than the the guzma effect on prime catcher mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. conversely though i think the reboot bot the six dark patch is stronger than prime catcher like that is insane um i could see some future decks like maybe opting for prime catcher instead still <laughs> which is just a testament to how good Prime Catcher is. But Reboot Bot is, like, the definitive A-spec revealed so far to me that, like, actually competes with it. Which I think yeah. is really cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's absurd. I, it's tough, though. I mean, it, it does still feel like Prime Catcher would be better um, just because you have to have all these energy in the discard pile and have enough Pokemon in play to make it all worth it. But... This is in terms of, you know, if you do fulfill like having six energy in the discard pile and having six Pokemon in play when you play the reboot bot, just that in a vacuum is like 
really but really realistically like, you don't powerful. even necessarily need like you don't need to get i mean sure yeah six. you don't yeah no no no. totally totally i get that right four. you could <laughs> you know, like three three four like that's still really good on an item and one thing i like about the reboot bot as well is it's not like it's not like your deck like hinges on it either like one thing that i thought was silly about some of the original ace specs like some of the tools was g booster like it, like g booster <laughs> is, is probably the most easy to reference example there was also the victini tool that i forget like victory piece or whatever um like it felt like your deck fell apart if you didn't have access to it <laughs> like straight up didn't work if you didn't have access to it reboot bot mm -hmm. is like going to be important i think to the flow of a sort of an energy acceleration reliant future deck but it, it won't be like the thematic core of the deck either <laughs> which sure. i think is like an appropriate power level to be yeah very interesting yeah it'll be cool to see how these cards you know all meld together and what final lists will look like you know certainly we were now starting to get into a debate about which a spec do you play which is i think a great spot to be right because yeah. when they just released those first those first few a specs it was very clear we had a winner and now um <laughs> now that's up for a little bit of debate I think another thing that is worth calling out uh, sort of in the future paradigm is we also have Techno Radar as a way to search out those future Pokemon. Uh, I think there's the, sort of the natural question post-rotation for how do you actually like effectively swarm a board full of Pokemon? Like Nest Ball is, I guess, one way to do that. But then you have the Techno Radar as well, which makes it way easier to fill your board with, you know, five, six future Pokemon very quickly. Uh, so, and, yeah, I, I think the future the deck is going a cool direction. And you can get energy into the discard pile because you have to yes. discard. So that's really important and does pair well with the uh, the pod. I don't know, the techno pod or whatever it is. The gas pump. The gas, the reboot pod. <laughs> cool. Uh, I mean, there's lots of fun cards. I don't think any of the supporters are super noteworthy. Like there's the there's the airy, which discards items from your hand, which is cool, like Stolly adjacent card. I think the new future and ancient supporters are kind of meh, personally. Um, just like a reprint of Hapu, but ancient. I think Airy and Hand Clippers are actually really important. It's a for... it's a cool combo, yeah. They're really important for control decks, and I think yeah, you know Snorlax sure. still exists. And Airy, a supporter card, allows you to choose two item cards in your opponent's hand and discard them. I mean, that can just discard switches. And previously, that effect did not exist. This card is getting slotted straight into Snorlax control decks. No question uh, about totally, it. Totally agree. Yeah, like Airy's a natural inclusion in sort of the Snorlax paradigm and hand, there. Hand clippers. Hand clippers might be one of the most powerful hand discarding cards we've ever seen because it's an item card. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've seen this kind of card. I think there was like a Persian, right? You remember this one? Make them that pay. control decks? Make them pay. Yeah, it was an attack. <laughs> right, right. Long but stage, you know, stage one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, not nowhere near as good. Um, I mean, is that, was Hugh? Yeah, is good. like, is Hugh do that? Hugh? What does Hugh do? Hugh was, was you draw or discard. Like, you, both players go to five from wherever yes. they are. So, similar kind of to Hugh. You know, uh, I guess no Hugh is mechanic. like technically more powerful, right? But it's a supporter, and it was printed over a decade ago. And God knows they don't really print trainers as strong as they used to. So, you know, for us to get an item card like this thing seems insane. And to be clear, yeah. Hand Clippers is an item card that says both players discard cards in their hand until they have five cards. 
So, you know, Lost Box decks will just amass these gigantic hands. And as will control decks, usually. I mean, a lot of decks, Guard of War decks. I mean, there's been times where I'm just sitting on, like, a 15-card hand. And if you told me to discard 10 of those cards, it's like, holy smokes. Yeah, I guess so. You know, you just did a mill 10. <laughs> yeah. And then you, like, disrupt my hand, and there's 10 cards out of the deck. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like... Well, there's also the, the element as well, I guess, that I should interject first. And that you could also... Because it's a item card, you can play out your first turn going first and, like, force your opponent just to discard a couple cards, <laughs> which is really annoying. Oh, you they know, discard about, one like, card, right? Yeah, I discard one card, I guess, from your opening hand or multiple mm -hmm. if you have a mulligan. But, like, still, like, why? <laughs> you know, why do I have to discard a card before I play the game? <laughs> you know? Just a I, I guess another game. incentive to, like, bench a Pokemon if you have one in your hand or your opponent. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm playing, um, a, I'm playing a deck with, like, two basics just to, like, bait my opponent into mulliganing, you know, like, taking, like, eight mulligans <laughs> and, then turn one and then turn one clippers bro <laughs> oh yeah That's yeah that would be sick but so i think where i was actually going with this is i feel like there's an interesting dynamic where there's a handful of decks in the format that just accumulate these insane hands like these massive gigantic hands and then there's another handful of, of decks in the format that like seven is like their peak and <laughs> they'd be happy to have seven cards in hand if that uh and they'll be coasting out like five card hands the majority of the time you know like rapid strikes and charizards and things like that they'll have a couple cards in hand at a time but then you have Giratina, which is turn two has it's 12 card hand because they call rest and and uh abyss seeking so it's interesting like i think the efficacy of the card on average will vary quite a lot based on your matchups but i totally agree it fits naturally into like the snorlax Kind of deck, it, but it also kind of feels like you could tech it to make your Snorlax matchup a little better by <laughs> screwing them over. So it's it's a cool card. I don't know. So fun. Yeah. Well, you know, the hand clippers, they look pretty similar to a pair of clippers that you, yourself, the listener, could get their hands on. That's right. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped and the hand clippers, a.k.a. the Lawnmower 5.0. I, you know, I, it's like this set was was printed for tag team. So, um, yeah, the uh, Lawnmower 5.0, one of the premier um, ways to get rid of your down there hairs, get rid of, uh, I don't know, hair under your armpits, on your chest, on your face even. I don't know. People have beards. Not anyone uh, here. I guess maybe Riley does. Uh, but I really um, like to have a separate clipper for my, you know. Yeah, I mean, maybe you don't use it all, right? <laughs> yeah, sure, for sure. You know, some people have. But different, I mean, uh, yeah, but they offer both. The they thing. offer both. Manscaped does offer both. <laughs> they do offer both, which is important to note. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> fantastic products from Manscaped. Whether it is the lawnmower 5.0, whether it is the uh, ear and nose hair trimmer, whether it is the boxers that I am sure uh, you both will be wearing at Charlotte Regionals, uh, they just have a wide variety of products for men. You know, Agreed. I've actually been thinking, I, uh, I've i been fizzling out towards the end of day twos, and I think part of the problem is that I only have the one pair of the boxers, and so I wear them on day one, and then I'm out of energy going into day two. Dude, like, I, that's why you just wear the same pair for both days. I was thinking maybe i get another pair and wear a I different pair. I think another pair sounds great, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking another pair. But oh, okay. What I Wait, will that's say, what you guys do? <laughs> yeah, most 
pretty much every day yeah i'll be changing underwear <laughs> unless oh, okay. there's something like egregious happening <laughs> like i'll be changing my underwear for the previous day oh okay all right makes sense i mean you can live your own man like flip those suckers inside <laughs> out like yeah, do your, do your, yeah well, have you ever heard you get four wear you and get I four think that's uses what manscaped is all about all right keeping <laughs> yourself so fresh uh so with your grooming with your men's care Use code tag team at manscaped.com and you'll receive what 20% off your entire order. Off. That's right. That's and right. 20%, 20% off your entire order. I always think it's maybe 15 because 20 in my mind, I'm like 20% is such a good deal. Too much. There's yeah. no way it's 20%. And That's then I'm like, it is 20% cost. I know. And then I'm, I'm always blown away. I'm like, it can't be 20%, but it is 20%. Because that's just such a great deal. So you get 20% off, code tag team, and free shipping at manscaped.com. Yeah, so thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. We got a tournament coming up. Well, two of us have a tournament coming up. Riley and Andrew are heading to the Charlotte Regional Championship, slated to be the biggest regionals of all time with over 2,000 players. Absolutely unheard of craziness i was reading a stat and i may have already shared this on the podcast but it's from alex wilson he posted on twitter if you go 621 in day one you could go 501 in day two and miss top eight and that's why you don't id the date well that is <laughs> yes that is why you don't id absolutely but it is going to be absolutely absurd the winner of this regional you know we'll have to do some some witchcraftery to like have the record because it's just absurd. The like somebody has to win, right? Which is the thing about this tournament. Somebody so has true, to do man. it. Right? Somebody's gonna, gonna be do it. somebody that's gonna go, you know, twelve, two and one, or whatever the crazy record that you're gonna need to get top eight is gonna be and then they're gonna win. And it's gonna be crazy because they won a two thousand player tournament, which is unheard of here in the state certainly not crazy for uh for japan but the biggest regional that we've ever had so how are you two approaching this tournament and what's your prep looking like heading into charlotte yeah it's interesting you know i i've played in the most recent two regionals and i i feel like the format is shifting over time i think the one of the takeaways from portland is that Mew is still very much like a real legitimate threat. And I think that was, I think you could have gathered that from San Antonio, but I think Mew showed up a lot harder in Portland, a lot more visibly in Portland. And it's kind of back on the map. You know, Mew is able to survive in a Charizard metagame. It's not favored or anything, but like it can ma manage its way through. Um, which for me personally, like Rapid Strike is my favorite deck to play in this format by quite a large margin, <laughs> but um you know having a, a second tournament where i had the heartbreaking like round 15 versus mew and like expecting you to only get more popular like i'm probably shelving the rapid strike heading into charlotte and trying to play something a little little safer into a wider meta game i think rapid strike was super good into like the focused meta of san antonio in particular but uh portland as well and i i think the Mew entering the field as a more key player is unpleasant. I, you know, I feel like the metagame is really kind of warping around. I mean, you've got the Charizard, you've got the Tina, uh, and then you've got 
your others, right? I mean, there's like Snorlax, there's Gardevoir, there's uh, Mew. Uh, and those are kind of like the other big contenders. I mean, Rapid Strike actually didn't really show up. I think you might have been one of the top or the top finisher with Rapid Strike at Portland. Um, I think there was like, one in like top 16 or something, but... I'm not sure that there was. It might have been... I think it was kind of a follow, a drop-off. So... Yeah, 15. Uh, 15. All right, there's one at 15. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, Rapid Strike's still around, but what? There was... How many Mews in top 32? Like, there's so uh, many. It was crazy. There's like six in top 16, I think, or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's six true. in top 16. Which is which is nuts. I mean, that's almost... Ironically, there was no more in top 32. <laughs> still okay, six, but there were but... six in top 16, which is like, so like you having to play against, you know, one of those guys is probably your opponent, you know? Yeah. And, exactly. Correct. In round 15. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. And like, that just would have been you if, if you uh, did not have like an auto loss there. So yeah. it's... Uh, you know, Mew is very much present, um, and uh, I want to play. I just, I just want to play. You know, Maridon, I guess, is like another kind of another deck you have to always consider. I want to play an aggressive deck. Um, it's a huge tournament. I want to get back to my roots a little bit. I'm not gonna yeah. play. Not gonna play Gardevoir. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna play a deck with a rare candy in it, and I'm not gonna play Rapid Strike or Spoovy Max again. So, I think, you know, I spent some time in the beginning of this format with Maridon, and just things weren't really clicking uh, the first two events out, uh, at the beginning of the season, I should say. And things didn't really click for me um, after Worlds, and that's okay. Uh, you know, I, I think I ended up dropping at, like, what, like, five and, or th four and three, or four, four and two. I think it was, like, three and two. Three and two. I dropped at three and two in both events. Uh, and they just weren't really clicking for me and then i moved on to guardy for laic and that like you know eh, didn't really you know uh get a spark going there either so then i tried to do something crazy and came back with rapid strike urshifu for uh san antonio and i'm like that wasn't right you know i've kind of been like moving around trying to looking for you know something looking for a spark something to kind of get me going in this season so far and i haven't just really clicked with anything I just want to play uh, an aggressive deck that I feel confident with. I think that's what I'm going to go with for uh, the upcoming format. I don't want to be the one asking the questions. I want to be the one setting the tone in the game. And JW, you're looking at me like you know exactly the kind of deck that fits that bill. That sounds like you want to play Roaring Moon. <laughs> I'm serious. I think Roaring Moon is quite good. And I, I think it's negligence at this point. If you hear these words from the prophet and you don't <laughs> you just enact it. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's pure <laughs> negligence. I think he that roaring did. moon, <laughs> I think that roaring moon is a, a great deck in this format. And I think it occupies a very similar space to Maridon, except that, Roaring Moon gets a more consistent and arguably better turn one attack uh, most of the time. Um, you have what I consider solid matchups across the board, and you can just, of course, run other decks off the table a lot like Maridon. So if you thought Maridon was a good deck, 
or a playable deck at least, then I think you also should consider Roaring Moon. Now, here's where people have gone off the rails in the past with Roaring Moon that I am trying to lead the charge. Don't play it with Heavy Sada. Play it like a real deck. Play it as you would play a Maridon deck where you have, you know, actual supporters like Research and Iono. Don't play it where you're trying to rely on a turn one Sada to draw three cards. Like, it's just so weak to rely on Sada. You have to have energy in the discard pile. You only draw three cards. It leaves you in this very awkward state where you could just play item-based draw, or excuse me, item-based acceleration with the Dark Patch and the Moltres with the Energy Switch. I think digging through the deck with a Research gives you a lot more options to do that, and it allows you to draw better in the late game off of your opponent's Ionos. So I find this deck incredibly uh, well-positioned right now. I think you look at some of the more difficult matchups, I, I would say probably the, the most difficult matchup for a deck like Roaring Moon would be uh, Gardevoir. Yeah. But Gardevoir is kind of on a downtrend right now, and you still, you know, there, there's a lot of things that you can do into that matchup, certainly starting a Morpeko, going to town for a couple prizes there, and then following that up with some bosses on uh, their Gardevoir EXs. I mean, it's not like it's a it's an auto loss by any means. And then you take really good matchups, um, you know, into something like Rapid Strike Urshfu, uh, Double Turbo Mew would be a good matchup for you. Fusion Strike, probably not so much, but at least the Double Turbo version. Um you know, you're looking at, I consider it to have a good Giratina matchup. Charizard is still, I'm trying to figure that one out a little bit. I think it's maybe slightly unfavorable, but Andrew, when we were testing that the other day, you were just popping off, I, I gotta say. So, I, I think Roaring, I think it's real, man. I, I think if you play it like a real deck, it's going to give you real results. And that's why we haven't seen Roaring Moon perform well. We saw Ross Cawthon in Portland. He got top 64 with the deck, but he played it like a real deck. And I think if you take his list as a baseline or follow, um, you know, take the list that I posted on Twitter, like you're going to have a good day because it is just inherently a strong archetype. Yeah, I I definitely agree that I don't think you need to fully lean into Sada to make Roaring Moon work. Like we have Dark Patch in format, right? And three energy is not like a crazy expensive attack when you have dark patch and angular Moltres to accelerate um so I, i'm like with you up to there i think i would love the charizard matchup to be a little bit better um is kind of where i'm at you know the both of the last two tournaments i played five or more charizards like in day one <laughs> And that's certainly, like, a slight outlier, right? Like, Charizard is, what, 20% of the field at these tournaments? But that's, like, realistic in a way, too. Like, you you can hit lots of Charizards because they also just aggregate pretty high up on the tables. So um, I think I would either want to have, like, a solved Charizard matchup, which is basically what Urshfu offered, or have such good matchups in everything else that it doesn't even matter. And... I guess the question to you, JW, is do you think Roaring Moon like, actually crosses that threshold? Well, I don't think that the Charizard matchup is that bad. I want more reps with it. I've played uh, the games that we played with Andrew and I that we did. Uh, to, I don't know how many games we played. Probably like You were six playing or eight. against Jesse, not me. Or the ga- oh, yeah. The games that you were in the cord and I was playing with Jesse. I was playing, playing Tina. 
Yeah, yeah we played right. versus we played... Tina, and you beat yeah, you. Yeah. You were at like five three versus Tina with the Burning Moon deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's five three six three something like that. And um, yeah, against Charizard, it was a little more fifty fifty. I had been playing it on the ladder. I had been playing it in some of the coaching sessions that I had done, and you know, if you take it in aggregate, it was winning. Um, the Roaring Moon deck was winning against Charizard in aggregate. When I was playing with Jesse, it was a little more 50-50. Again, he was kind of popping off. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. The Charizard match, I could use yeah. a few more reps with that, certainly, but uh, I still view it as um, pretty even. And, you know, I have the route down where it's like, yeah. I mean, even lead the more pack. You, you said you made it sound bad. <laughs> I, it, from, if you're, it depends on if you're playing a good player versus the average Charizard player. I mean, certainly that is something to take into consideration. There's yeah, certain Ross things that they can do. To it. Yeah, there's certain things they can do. Well, okay, so the thing about Ross's list that I do want to heavily state as well. So I don't think his list is infallible. I think the best tool, he played two ancient booster capsules. I think the better tool is the emergency jelly. And it actually is a big deal in the Charizard match because if you knock um, out a Charizard EX with Roaring Moon's first attack, Frenzied Gouging, you're going to put 200 damage on yourself. Let's say you have the booster capsule on. They can always um, vacuum it away and then attack with a Charmander and take that knockout. And that skews the entire prize trade. That's how you lose that matchup, is if they get a knockout in the mid or late game with the Charmander, with no mm -hmm. other EXs on their bench, that is how you lose because then you're forced to knock that out and then they just bring up their last Charizard and knock you out in response. So that is how you lose that matchup. That's how I was losing that matchup. Um, either yeah. they didn't have any EXs or I couldn't find Gust on that turn because they Ionoed or, or whatever it was. And so, um, you know, that, that was how you lost. Now, to counter that, if you can knock out with a jelly attached then you prevent all of those shenanigans they can't even knock you out with a pidgeot if they wanted to like there's you remove the option if you knock out with a jelly because jelly is a more active tool you get that immediate heal back down to 80 damage and then they can't knock you out with charmander and then presumably you know if they can't knock you out with charmander then they have to knock you out with a charizard ex and so you, then you, you just like want me to say that or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was waiting. I was waiting for the, for the boys, a little audience participation. And so if you're trading two for two, then that's really good for the basic focus deck because the basic focus deck should be getting the first, you know, one to two prizes and uh, you know, yeah. it should just kind of roll from there. So that's kind of how I felt uh, the match was gone. And certainly there's more of a propensity for the Charizard deck to, um, dead draw just because there's more moving pieces than there is in the roaring moon deck so I, yeah i've i've found it i found it to be um yeah i i need more reps against it because there are some, some times where i come away from a session where i'm like wow roaring moon has a great charizard matchup and then i play other people mm -hmm. and it's like wow this is a lot tougher than i thought and i think it really just comes down to hitting those uh those jellies at the right times and uh, playing around their Charizard and, and hoping that they don't pop off with like the double rare candy turn too. I'm yeah, kind of so like in, I'm kind of like in catchers and I've seen some talk about catcher in moon. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like the catchers in this deck. I was playing with it all day on stream today. I think my, I know you cut the trekking shoes from, uh, from Ross's list and kind of just put a fourth research in there, another switch and uh, second jelly, um, you know, kind of tweak some things, but and another vessel. I think those were like your ads. Um, 
I was playing a, a variation of the list that you posted without the tracking shoes, and I was finding myself just missing random things. I mean, it was, it, it's always Dark Patch. That's just the thing. It was like, I, I can attack with more Peko pretty often, uh, turn one, I mean, almost <laughs> all the time. But then, like, in crucial situations where it's like, I need a turn one attack with this Roaring Moon, and it's like, I'm going to research seven cards, I'm going to squawk six cards, uh, I'm going to pare my hand down and mew for three, and then I'm going to stop for three, two. And it's like, and there are four Dark Patch in the bottom 22 cards of my deck. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah. and it just, yeah, you know, and there's no, and it just, it really feels bad because that Roaring Moon is just simply not attacking. There'll be times where I, I'll find two, three energy switch and just no Dark Patch. It doesn't matter because the energy switch can't get you a turn one attack with that Roaring Moon. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no just, matter it's, what. It's, yeah, no, it's interesting though. I cuz I feel like um you know, I from from my perspective, the 100 games that I've played with Moon uh, with this list of Moon over the last week. Um and and all the game and then all the games that I've played with Maridon, like you're getting a turn one attack more than you would with Maridon with Moon. But I guess I feel like so Maridon has more that, of like a is that compared against Peony Maridon as well? Well, I don't know. I don't have much like experience. The I don't have ride on right now. Mm, I I don't think so though. I because you're I seeing a lot is. of players moving back toward the um, path list. list. I mean, certainly Nick Moffat played it to a top eight with Path uh, and uh -huh. no Peony. So I don't know. I think the Peony version simply is the best best deck at attacking turn one, probably in the format. Sure, sure. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll I'll give that. Right, Roy but I think feels the, like... the problem with the peony version of Maridon. Sorry to go on a tangent. The problem with the peony version of Maridon is that if you're going into a field of Tina, I wouldn't recommend it. If you're not going into a field that's like 20, 25 percent Tina, which I would expect Charlotte to be, um, you know, then you can get away with playing the peony version. But playing peony version into a meta that has a ton of path is just generally not a good idea because then your first peony, you have to find a way to get out of the path. And then you get your other card of your choosing. And it just weakens. It, like, halves the effectiveness of Peony. So that's a tangent. That's why I don't like the Peony version. I'd rather have the raw draw of a research-based uh, Maridon. But that's, like, again, kind of beside the point. That not is, that's, that's a tangent for what we were talking about. My big thing is, like, I, f I feel like the deck just needs, like, Trainer's Mail or something. Like, that's just, that's just the card it wants Gosh, desperately. Yeah. I know. And, and the Trekking Shoes aren't it. I, I kind of hate the trekking shoes. Trekking uh, shoes are fake. I feel for like sure. they are fake. It's just you know they're a lie. You play the trekking shoe, you see a resource, and you're like, ah, man, I could really, really use that for next this turn. Other resource. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm really hoping for that one thing, right? So like I'm gonna ditch this in hopes that I get the next thing, it's and then you don't find that either, yeah. and then you're like, ah, I wish I had that back. <laughs> like, but so. You know, and I had some people in chat today kind of say, like, well, don't the trekking shoes just make it like a, you know, a 57-card deck or a 56-card deck? Like, I, I guess so. But that's not really why they're being played. They're being played to try and uh, try to reach for a specific thing. Like, you you know exactly what you're looking for, you know, when you're playing that shoe and you're trying to find it, right? So you're probably going to ditch whatever's coming next just to try and get to that next thing. And then if you don't find it, then you're you're really just burning a hole in your deck for you know for not i mean not guaranteed upside it's not acro bike where you look at the top two and pick and that's what the, i think the the lack of information is really what bothers me yeah. about trekking shoes 
is that you're making a blind decision every time. Yeah, you're trek, like, trek, oh, trekking shoes is not it. Trekking shoes is not it. Trekking shoes is not it. Don't know what's behind door yeah. two. Yep. You're like, I'll uh, take you what's don't, behind door well, two. Ah, oh, it's a so, VIP pass. Dang on it. the first, <laughs> on the first turn of the game, you can see, you know, realistically, you could see somewhere between like 15 and 21 cards, right? So you have your Mew that could draw you up to three cards. Okay, so that's three. You have your research that could draw you up to that draws you seven. So that's 10. You got your squawk ability. That's six. Then you have your Greninja and then you have your Pokestop. All that in aggregate. That's 21 cards. I have found that that's enough, right? Or hitting like three of those five pieces is enough in most games to at the very least get the, uh, get the Morpeko, which is a great attacker in. I don't know, 50% of the matchups that you would expect to play. And then also be able to, if you need to go for the knockout with Roaring Moon, be able to get that as well. Again, I'm speaking from experience with the um, with the path version of Maridon, but you are getting that turn one attack much more. I would say much more often than you would with the path Even version with of Raikou, man, Raikou is so easy to attack with. <laughs> Yeah, it's like more Peko, dude. Like, yes, I'm telling you, man. It's easier. Yeah, but a it's easier to attack do. is better than a more Peko attack. I mean, sometimes you don't need a Raikou sometimes. attack. That's true. Right? And actually, in some time, in some cases, sometimes it's, it's not, not better right. because yeah, you're know. leaving a two-prizer up there as opposed to a one-prizer. So, yeah, I, I don't, don't know. I don't necessarily Maybe... want to belabor this specific point of, like, the, the specific odds of attacking the Roaring Moon versus the Mariah. But I feel like that but is that is the that's the crux. That like, like why you would play this? I game. mean, I think right. I think Roaring it's Moon right sell. There. I think Roaring Moon sell is offers a lot of the same things as Maridon, but it's got a better Charizard matchup and a worse Guardy matchup, and a better Mew matchup. So like you, you just trade some of the matchups around basically. Like I don't think it's yeah, but then you you have attacks. a better Urshifu matchup. I think you have a no, no, fairly like, decent Lost Box matchup too. I mean, I I haven't been losing to many Lost Box players. No, for sure. I, I'm just saying like. The decks are conceptually similar, and they just, like, trade the matchup percentages around, you know? Like, right on, curb stops <laughs> Gardevoir, and, and Rory Moon loses to it a majority of the time. So, like, you're just, you're trading what decks you're, you're winning and losing against. And I think Roaring Moon, comparatively, is probably a little bit better in the current meta at that job. Sure. I think one of my, one of my biggest beefs with Roaring Moon is, like, I guess it just feels like if you fall behind on the trade... Right, and this is why I'm such a stickler about that turn one attack. Because if you fall behind on the trade, there isn't really any comeback potential. It's not like Maridon where you can play path. Like Maridon always has Mar like Iono path. Like you could do that, and that is a comeback play. Whereas with Moon, there is no comeback play because if I'm taking big knockouts, I have to gouge, and I'm leaving myself like basically as weak <laughs> as I'll get out, right, to try and come back. So like once a deck kind of gets a leg up on what on on my deck then it feels like I might try to squeeze an Iono out at the end, but, like, I can't really disrupt what you're doing outside of that. And I can't really, you know, leave a really fat guy that's hard to knock out either. You know, at best, I might have a Jelly, which makes my guy have 150 hit points, which is just outside of, like, Cramorant range and Sableye range. That's it, right? But if you have even a Shred with Giratina you're knocking me out like so it's uh it, and that's been kind of my experience with it which is like so i really want the deck to be attacking first in all situations because i feel like once it does kind of initiate that trade though 
it usually wins them almost always but that's what the deck does best i think my it's... genuine perspective right now is like the deck that i lean to the most at the moment is mew uh you know jw you had referenced that you think your will be crazy popular Mew takes Giratina to the to the shop, right? Like <laughs> Mew shows Giratina who's boss. Ninety percent of the time, it feels like. And Mew is putting up fine enough numbers against Charizard. Like Ian Rob played one Charizard and beat it. Um Maddox beat a Charizard. Vance Kelly went two one versus Charizard. So like Charizard matchup seems acceptable to me, or like Mew kind of crosses that threshold that I was talking about earlier. It has like the acceptable Charizard matchup and just takes everything else to the cleaners. Um, it's like, what, what is really beating Mew right now? <laughs> like really besides Charizard, keeping it in check. Roaring Moon, I guess, but, but that's it. <laughs> Roaring Moon. Yeah. The influx of, of Moon. Matchup's not great, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you i mean know, obviously charizard, all they have to do is get a charizard going and roaring moon all they have to do is get that basic moving the, the actually like one charizard isn't enough though because you you put the box on and oh, then I know. two tablets right oh, so yeah. like like these mews are beating charizard a significant amount of the time uh it's not like an 80 20 it's much closer to like a 60 40 or 50 50 um just because of how weak charizard is to like judge path in the early game so well i really yeah, I, yeah I, I wouldn't i wouldn't fault you guys for playing mew because i think it has shown i mean certainly uh in the most recent tournament major tournament like Mew is still uh, a topic pick for a lot of top players and they're performing really well and i think for a tournament as large as charlotte right you you value having that consistent deck and one deck that you guys have both played a lot and know the ins and outs of so and like tomb is fake now too because people are playing like the fusion energies yeah you know totally. even double tomb turbo. is very fake yep yep so like got people play. aren't playing drapion <laughs> like let's be, be for real <laughs> <laughs> so, so andrew making a shush motion uh, so i yeah i'm really i've been vibing with you like all week and kind of leading up to this tournament it's my number one choice um Maybe I'll bring a couple of Roaring Moons and give it a swing uh, in some more games, but Mew is like kind of where I'm headed right now. I want to play Mew, Moon, or Dawn. Those are like my, my three. I was alluding to it earlier. I want to play an aggressive deck that asks the questions. Those are the three decks that do it. So and the quick start deck with the letter you can watch the Ravens game. Yes. And if I yes, and if I beef it, then I am going straight back to the hotel or maybe to the nearest bar and watching the Ravens game. So that is uh that's the agenda. It's a win win really. Yeah, just just play moon. Just just trust again, like everyone that's listening is negligent. If you don't play moon, you're you just I've tried to tell you. If I were going if I were going and I'm trying to get you guys to play it, like I would be just all in, I'd be like Let's grind the games, you know, the night before, you know, this week, uh, as we have, I have it just built, like bro. really, I have it built. I do. I, I just truly, truly haven't felt this strong about a deck in, in a, quite a while. Um, and it feels like Man. <laughs> a sleeper pick it, it, well, okay. So here's the thing. Everyone that's shaking their heads and they're like, JW's on me. one again. I shake my head. Uh, yeah, JW's uh -huh. on another one again. Get him off the bender. Um, Nobody thought that Maridon was a real deck until right. it was. It's true. It's 
right? Nobody thought that it was real until it got a performance, right? So it's like they that's at Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and even after it was getting, you know, top placements, like people still discounted the deck. So it feels a lot like that where we had been playing a, a very incorrect build and that's why you're seeing the matchup percentages as they are and that's why moon has has this like historically like it's a terrible deck it's not very good it's because the builds were incorrect when you play it with real supporters you're gonna get real results real supporters he's, he's going for the tagline that's crazy yeah i know right. I, i'm trying to bring that one back so. i know dude you've said that maybe three times this cast no no it was, it was twice it was real twice. supporters Real, real results. He's literally, he's going for the infomercial, like, yeah. memorable pitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Got COVID, Paxlovid. I know, I got these <laughs> football commercials stuck in my head, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, it seems like you guys are, yeah, pretty set on something a little speedy. Maridon's always a good choice, but, you know, I wouldn't, again, fault you guys for playing Maridon. Mew seems fine. Um, Charizard would be something that I would consider, but, you know, I can definitely... Charizard's on, on my list probably more than Andrew's. I, I think it's like well positioned as ever, you know. Got the cards. That could. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure you do, man. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, any other kind of thoughts on on what what you guys might see in uh, in the Charlotte Meta game with with again two thousand players? I'm hoping to see the sun. I don't really see that. A lot in Madison <laughs> this week. I don't think the weather's looking too good there. Uh, uh, sorry, Riley. Yeah, that's no. a shame. It's yeah, probably not a feels like negative twenty though. So, no. Yeah, I think I think this is just going to be one of those like it's going to be a huge mixed bag of like what you're going to see. Everybody you talk to is going to have a different experience of the decks that they saw. When you're talking about a two thousand player event, there's absolutely no way you're getting those two thousand players on one page. No way, no how. Everybody is going to see different stuff. Everybody's going to have different experiences. You're going to have somebody who played against five Moon decks. You're going to have somebody who played against five Charizard decks. You're going to have somebody who played against an Arceus deck and somebody who played against, you know, uh, I don't know, Fortress EX and stuff. Like, and just, they probably played a whole bunch of, like, weird binder drop decks from rounds one through four and then finally started playing something that resembled a meta deck at round five. So, like, I want to talk to the guy who played the five Moon decks. (laughs) 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 What happened? So, uh, you know, I always say just, you know, when it comes to an event like this, an event this size, just go with, your, go with the deck that, you know, you're most comfortable playing. Because the one thing that you can minimize is the amount of misplays that you make. Um, and in a field this large, it's going to be very hard to run the meta gauntlet anyway. So just you want to control the things that you can control. Um, pick a good deck and play it well. So true. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Cool. Well, I think we've hit it then. I think that's a good stopping point yeah we can i i just can't wait to watch you guys succeed howling at the moon in charlotte it's gonna be really really a really a special moment so true for you too for you too the dual top eights when no one else would listen yeah for sure yeah man. yeah <laughs> So that's going to do it for the cast. If you want to get more plugged in to uh, what we do here at Tag Team, you can follow us on social media at Tag Team Pokemon. You can also follow each of us individually. I am at at Real John Walter over on the X app. We have at Smiles with Riles and at Enjoy Friend. 
that'll Thank do it for so the cast for listening we appreciate you and we'll catch you next time where we give you the enthralling tales of andrew and i making top eight with the moon 100 <laughs> percent moon See to the moon ya. moon to the moon <laughs>